It's a Mulcair Monday. Let's bring in former leader of Canada's NDP and former leader of the opposition in Ottawa, Thomas Mulcair. Good morning, Thomas Mulcair. Good morning, John Moore. Let's pick up briefly in talking about this attack on Nancy Pelosi's husband yes. in his home. And there's sort of two angles that I find compelling here. One would be that, you know, this is an attack on a political figure. Had she been home, she might have come under attack. She might have been killed. And yes. some people seem to feel that that level of violence is perfectly justifiable because they've gotten so coked up on the idea that they're living in a dictatorship. Wow, what an important statement you just made. I couldn't agree with you more. And this is the danger of having somebody as unstable as Elon Musk controlling something as important as Twitter, because he was the first out there trying to support the conspiracy theory pushed by you know luminaries such as Roger Stone, that somehow Paul Pelosi was literally uh, doing something with the young man who proceeded to smash his skull with a, with a hammer. It is unseemly, but it is proof that the old saying that the Russians had, which was just lie, 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 there will always be something left. So there will be people who will pick up on this and say, oh, yeah, 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 this could be the left wing trying to you know, have a false flag operation to bring pity on themselves as the midterms are in the offing. And this is the world that we're in, John, right now. And I do think it's important to have these conversations because it's important to put things back in perspective. No, <laughs> there isn't the slightest evidence that this was a put-up job and that Paul Pelosi was somehow... Uh, in that house to be with the, that young man. But this is the crazy story that some right-wing media, by the way, that disappears. So these are things like the Santa Monica Journal, and they appear out of nowhere, and they come up with this stuff, and then it gets retweeted. But it doesn't really exist because the story is complete completely fiction. Yeah, it's true. On many occasions, I'm sure this has probably happened to you because you're a public commentator now, um, there is something, I think it's called the Buffalo Chronicle or something like that, and it's a bogus newspaper, but it constantly writes about Justin Trudeau and company, yeah. and people will link to it and say, see, why are you covering this up? Yes, because it's a true story, because it's published in the Buffalo Journal, which, of course, doesn't exist any more than the Santa Monica Journal. And this is the thing. You can invent a front page for a newspaper in about a half an hour if you're handy with these things. And then you can spin your own story and then you, it gets picked up and it becomes, takes on a life of its own. But at the end of the day, there has to be some room for truth in our in our society. This is about democracy. This is about how we get along. This is about how we elect people and whether or not we're responsible for their safety. This is completely bonkers. I mean, the police couldn't have been clearer about what happened. They had clear evidence that there had been a break-in. This is not something made up by left-wing politicians to draw pity on themselves. But there are going to be lots of people out there saying, well, just as well, you know, that look, look at what they're up to now. Yeah, and one of the problems, of course, is that then it's not just fringe elements like this attacker. It is people like the Premier of Alberta who traffic, not necessarily in this particular urban myth, but in others. And Danielle Smith is doing everything she can to position herself sort of as the convoy candidate, and she has to call an election soon. She is really going over the edge. I mean, over the weekend, she started talking about the fact that it was well established that there's detrimental effects on the mental health and development and education of children who wear masks during a pandemic. Think about that for a second. So you're in a classroom, you've got, you know, on average, a few kids who have maybe more grave health issues and everybody's wearing a mask so everybody's protected. And she's just come up with this theory on her own that is detrimental. And she's going to use whatever laws and regulations and orders are at her disposal to ban any future 
any future mask mandate in schools. Now, there was a case last week where a judge threw out the government's rule saying, hold on, this was not something that came in from Dr. Dina Henshaw, who, of course, was their officer of public health. She, She was just repeating something handed down by the provincial cabinet, and therefore it was struck down. So now she's going to talk to her justice minister and her education minister, and she's going to put in place rules that are clearly detrimental to the the health of children. But in this post-truth society, you spin that, you say it's well established that this is bad for children to be wearing masks without offering up any proof. That's the world we're in. Thomas Mulcair, I'm sure you've probably heard uh, that things are getting a little dramatic with education workers here in the province of Ontario. Workers saying yesterday they were going to strike on Friday. The government saying, fine, on Monday we're going to impose a contract. You worked in a provincial government in Quebec. Uh, Imposed contracts, don't first of all, don't tend to hold up and usually spark more trouble than they're worth. Yes, Uh, but when you have a right-wing government that not used to talking with people. I've always taken the view that a, a good collective agreement is a representation of the old saying that good fences make good neighbors. You know, you sit down, you come up with rules, everybody follows them. These are massive bureaucracies, and you've got to make sure that, that rules are clear. What also has to be clear is that the people who are out there saying, look, we've, we've, we're going to have no choice but to strike, they're they're the lowest rung on the ladder. They get the lowest salaries. They cannot get by with this inflation and they need a raise. And Mr. Ford, of course, is going to try to talk to his base and say, look at how unreasonable they're being. They've got guaranteed paychecks. They're not like you. There's no uncertainty for them turning one against the other, which is an old trick. Those workers deserve a proper pay. They deserve a proper pay increase. They deserve their right, and it is a right guaranteed by the Supreme Court, their right to collective bargaining. But, of course, Ford's going to try to tear that up. It'll go straight to the courts, and Ford will be told, no, get back to the bargaining table. What you're doing right now is pure bad faith. And, Thomas Mulcair, one last issue this morning. Um, I don't usually take Maxime Bernier very seriously, but he does speak for more people than who voted for him in the last election when he opposes the idea of Canadian money uh, being pumped into Ukraine. And over the weekend, uh, the federal government announced there was going to be a bond issue to send more money to Ukraine. I think this is a vital battle. I think this is a chance to, you know, it's the final chapter of the Cold War, so I'm all in. But a lot of Canadians aren't. I'm with you on this one, and I'm all in. I don't know where Bernier gets his stuff sometimes, because, you know, he was a very minor player on the Quebec political scene, somehow fluked his way into Harper's cabinet, and has gone full bonkers since he lost a close race to to Andrew Scheer. And so he's out there right now, what, spinning, like Danielle Smith, spinning the Russian side of this story, like maybe it was Ukraine's fault that Russia attacked them. That's called blaming the victim. So I don't understand. I think that this was a wise political move by Trudeau, by the way. He's saying, look, we're going to have this bond issue. We're going to be matching what people put in there. But it's a way of saying to Canadians, you think that this is an important issue? Start putting your money where your mouth is. And he's going to get a sense of how many Canadians find this important. For Maxime Bernier to be opposing this for me is just a a real head, head scratcher, John. I don't understand it. Thomas, thank you. Always a pleasure. Take care.